All right, hey, good morning. Uh, a few few years ago, uh, Terry and I got the idea that we wanted to uh, compete in some of the, uh, these triathlon races. I don't know if anybody, any of you guys have done that. We, uh, we both had a little bit of running in our background. She a lot more than me, and she was a whole lot faster than me. Uh, th- that means that you're going to swim, you're going to ride a bike, and you're going to run, though. And at least my swimming background was horrible. Like, I almost, got, I almost failed swimming in college because I just sank. And, uh, I mean, really, the swim coach pulled me out of the water one day. I was like, son, I'm going to have to fail you because you just... I'm like, well, what do I do? I'm just, I don't float. It was a guy that was big old O-lineman on our football team, and he just would lay there, not even move and float. He floats. Why can't I float? I, what, what, I, get, I, get, I get failed because I can't float? Anyway, uh, Terry on the swim, she didn't really want to stick her face in the water, and, which produces a problem if you really want to go fast. But the thing is, she would still lap me, like swimming like this. So I was really slow. So for me, if I finished the swim and I was still alive, that was a victory. Finishing the race and crossing the finish line, like that, that was my goal. That was good. If you don't know Terry and I very well, this is one thing that we differ in. I, my goal was to finish. Like, she's not okay unless she wins. Like, winning is the goal. Why would you do it if you're not going to try to win? So she would go out, and the, the swim, you know, that, that's something that you just... You're competing. There's no variable between different people. I mean, if, if you swim hard and you know what you're doing, running, you know, there's things that you can get better in, but it's, it's on you. The issue was the bike because she started out and I gave her a bike that was, you know, it could get her from A to B and it had gears and stuff and like the road tires. <laughs> but the first race that we were in, some chick with a bike that cost more than our car just, shoo, I mean, she couldn't catch her on the run, you know? And so afterwards, she's like, this ain't going to work. I need a bike like that. <laughs> we're, we're not going to get a bike like that, so I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, the good husband that I am, you know, I went and found a bike that was not anywhere near that one, but that was faster than the one that she had that could keep her in the race. And, uh, and I bought that one, but then I needed to sell the old one. And it was still in good shape. It wasn't very old at all. And so I do what you do when you're in that spot, you know. I started looking for a buyer uh, online. And I don't know what experiences you've had with that. I've had some really, really bad ones with Craig and his list. Uh, the people who hang out there are not always on the up and up. In case you didn't know that, just want to take that home with you today. They're not always on the up. In fact, I even, this one guy, I played with him and let him send me a check for $2,000 because I knew it was, it was, so I got the check and then I called that bank and uh, that bank didn't exist. So just, just so you know. Uh, and this one, I got a call, and the guy's like, hey, I, I want the bike. I want the bike for my wife. I was in Russellville. He was in Little Rock. And, uh, and I said, all right, you know, uh, now it's $300. Yeah, I know, I know it's $300. All right, so it's, it's $300. I, I said it several times. Yes, it's $300. All right, we'll meet up halfway. So I put the bike rack on the car. I go through all the trouble to load it up. I air up the tires, get it all good. I get down there to this restaurant where we meet at halfway, um, he gets out, he jumps on the bike and rides it around like he's going to test it, you know. I mean, he's like twice as tall as his wife. And, you know, anyway, he tries it out, he sees it all works, he brings it back, and he's like, I love it, it's awesome, I'll take it. And I said, great. And he handed me $200. I said, this is $200. We, we agreed on $300. And he has the audacity to say, 
yeah, I know we agreed on $300, but I thought after we'd come all this way that you would, you would take two. To which I said, uh, friend, you don't know me very well then. <laughs> so I grabbed the bike and I started to put it back on the car. And I, I was pretty highly upset at this point. Like, man, I went through all this trouble. I came down here, dude knew what was up and he didn't do it. So as I'm starting to get in my car, he stops me and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, I, I really only brought $200. I don't have any more on me. But I'm, I'm the manager of this really, really nice restaurant downtown Little Rock. And I'll give you a, my card with my name on it. And this, you know, I'll write on the back of it. And you can bring your wife to this restaurant whenever you want to. Let me know when you're coming ahead of time. And we will take care of you. We'll, you know, we'll make it the best experience you've ever had. Best food you've ever had. Best experience you've ever had. Am I supposed to trust this cat? I mean, I mean, who, I mean, who, I, he, for all I know, he's the guy who's washing the dishes, not the manager. I don't even know this restaurant. I've never heard of the restaurant. I know the restaurant exists. I mean, I'm in that spot where I, but then I've been trying to sell this bike for a long time, and I've had trouble, so finally, like, whatever. I give him the bike. I take the card, and on the right way back, I'm regretting my decision already. Already questioning, you know, man, is this thing, what, I, what have I even done, you know? A few months pass by, and there's a, a night that we're going to get to have a date night, and... Uh, you know, I got this card. I mean, I guess I'll try it out. So sure enough, we go down to Little Rock, go to this restaurant. It, it's there. Show with the card. Dude's at the front. He meets us. They walk us to this back private room that's like in this cool little wine cellar type room. They wait on his hand and foot. I mean, to, to date. I mean, food, experience, everything. It was like one of the best dates we've ever had. Glad I took him up on it. But I was given this gift and I had to make a decision. Did I really believe the gift was what I understood it to be, or was it not? And the deciding factor whether I was going to step out on that was whether I took action, whether it was just something I knew about and that card was always in my back pocket, but I never did anything with it, or whether I actually acted on it and went to the restaurant and took Terry there and did it. You know, when we start talking about the Bible in general and just what it means to follow Jesus and a lot of things that have to do with theology, but, but it may be even specifically with this topic of God, the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of knowledge. You know, I had, I had my stint in, uh, in seminary courses with, you know, preacher school with a bunch of guys that, and girls that just wanted to talk about it a lot. And there was a lot of knowledge that was out there. But I've grown more and more and more to believe and understand that belief that doesn't transfer into behavior is not really belief to begin with. It has to transfer into action. We have to take action on it. And I can tell you what you believe, and you can tell me what I actually believe based on what I do, not on what I say or what I talk about or you know, what I've memorized. You know? I was telling my boy Caleb about that this week, that... I, mean, I made it through high school cramming for all my tests. And that's all fun and games to get through a test. But then you take the ACT. And you realize you don't know any of the concepts. You just memorize long enough to, to pass the test, right? There's this, there's this thing of really understanding and grasping and acting on it. You know, the, the title of this series and of the book that we're reading that I sure hope that you've got a copy of and are reading along with us because it's really good by Francis Chan forgotten God. I think that title is right. When we talk about God, the Holy Spirit, it seems like he's, he's just, uh, he's been absent. But to give us a little bit of a break, as I've thought about it, I don't know in today's church with us, if it's necessarily that we, we had a grasp and an understanding and we have lost it, or if, it, if somewhere back in church history, if he was forgotten 
And now for most of us, we've never really had a good in- introduction to who he is. You know, of, of who he is. We, we kind of get God the Father, you know, the world over, the creator, God, all-powerful, like there's this reference point for, for, for God the Father. You know, God the Son, Jesus. I mean, we kind of, I mean, he was in the flesh, right? Even John, John chapter 1, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we've seen him. And we have, he's like us, so we kind of get that. He's human, and we kind of, kind of, the way he interacted with people, the thing, we kind of get, all right, the, God the Father, God the Son. But man, God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what is that? Like, it, there's no reference point. There's no way for us to get our mind around who he is, what he does, why he does it, how, why does it affect my life today, you know? So we just kind of relegate that to outside the margins. And practically, for most of us, even though we would say we believe in the Trinity, one God and, and these three uh, distinct persons, we really live as, as people who just believe in God the Father and God the Son, you know? And one way I can tell that that's true at times in my life and with people that I know with us is, is what our goal is, what our real goal is with the Christian life. You know, this, man, you, you believe in Jesus, you see that your sin is wrecking your life, and that it separated you from God, you, you repent of that, you turn from it, you put faith in Christ, and now you're trying to live your life in Him. Now, what is the goal? You know, Terry and I, in those races, we had two different goals. My goal was just to finish. Hers was to win. We talk about the Christian life. Is the, is the goal just to finish? Is, is the goal to be more moral than the people around us and to have behavior modifications to kind of up the level where we're more moral? And then we make it to the end and we die and we spend eternity with God in heaven? Is that, is that the goal? If we, cut it, if we cut to our hearts, for a lot of us, that's, that's practically what we live like. Or is the goal to be Christian, to, to become Christ-like? That Jesus in his character, that Jesus in his power, power that, that rose from the dead, that that kind of life would be present in us and that kind of impact would happen on the planet. And when a bunch of us get together and all of that power is present, that crazy big things happen. Is, is that the expectation? Is the expe- expectation Christ-likeness and power? Or is it just what we can accomplish on our own strength? And I think that's where the breakdown is. If you remove the Holy Spirit from the equation, then the best we got is what you and I can pull off by a white knuckle in our lives. And that's where most of us are. And so we look at that and we go, well, that's impossible. That's supernatural. That's, 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 that's insane. Yes, exactly. That's what this Bible calls us to. The life of Jesus. The impact and the power of Jesus. And that is other than. That is holy. That's in a whole different place than what we can do. So we spend most of our life pretty frustrated because we're on a bike that won't get us fast enough to actually pull off our goal. Enter the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, this distance is closed because like uh, Charlie was sharing with us the first week in John chapter 16, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send. It's good for you that I leave. It's actually good for you. Because while I'm here with you, you're still going to play in this realm. But all of a sudden, when I leave, I'm going to send this helper and he's going to empower you to live in this way. Crazy big. So if we relegate the Holy Spirit and forget about him or never really learn about him and he's off the side, 
then we live a frustrated life. We, we really want to be like Jesus. We want to see his character in us. We want to see his life, but we don't see it, and we just live frustrated. So Charlie was talking from John 16. I'm going to start in John chapter 14, just a little bit earlier in the same discourse. Jesus says to his guys, he says, truly, truly, just for what it's worth, I've never said truly, truly when I was talking to anybody. And so it might take a little bit to kind of get you, but if I said to you and we were out having coffee and I said, truly, truly, what am I saying? Saying what I'm fixing to say is gold. Truly, but not just one truly, two trulys, which means this thing is really, really, really true. So take notice, truly, 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 I say to you, this is Jesus talking, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Just let that sit for a sec. This is Jesus talking. He just made a crazy statement. Whoever believes in me, if you're in this room today, you've turned from your sin, you've trusted and believed in Jesus, he makes this promise. The works that I, you will do the works that I do. But then he, he goes above that, he says, and greater works than these will he do. That your life will resemble the peace and the power that mine has, but not even, even more. If you, if you actually, and this is, again, the difference between talking about Jesus stuff and actually believing Jesus stuff, do you actually believe that? Or is Jesus just lying? Is he telling the truth to these guys? That I'm going to go and this power is going to come and he's going to help you and you're going to do the things even more than me. Then a little bit uh, after that, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. The helper, that's what uh, Charlie was talking about, the advocate. Same, same thing here. To be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he drills with you, and he'll be in you. Which this is huge because, you know, the idea of the... Uh, of God the Holy Spirit wasn't new to these guys. I mean, it's not like the Holy Spirit just showed up on the scene. I mean, he's God. He's eternal. So he's been here from the beginning. He, he shows up all through the Old Testament. He shows up in the Gospels. But it is that he's present and he's with them and he empowers people to do things and he, he, he does things in situations, but he's with them. But look at the promise. It's he's now, he's going to come and he's going to dwell in you and he's going to remain there. He's going to be in you. The power of Almighty God is going to be in you. You know, I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing and it's hard to get your mind around. And so really today, I've wanted to, I want this to be as practical as possible. So what in the world does that mean? You know, back when, uh, I guess it was maybe the biggest, or at least I remember it the most, about the time I was in college, the WWJD bracelets were everywhere. And, um, and I went to this discipleship training project, same one Charlie went to one a different year, uh, down in Florida. And, uh, and the speaker was talking about that, and he made reference to that. And he said, man, that's good and all, that we would say, hey, we want to try to live a life that looks like Jesus. And so we're going to ask in every situation, what would Jesus do? But he said, man, it's really, really broken. 
Because it, it would leave us with the impression that that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, you know, again, white knuckle life and try to make decisions and be like Jesus. But if you try to be like Jesus on your own power, you will fail horribly and be very, very frustrated and beat up and bruised. So, so what it should really say is, what will, what will Jesus do in me? Because he's made a promise that he lives inside of me, that God the Holy Spirit is going to live the life of Jesus through me if I will yield to him and let him do that. That's what it should really say. And we were all like, that's what I'm talking about. Well, that night later on, uh, me and a bunch of guys, we drove from Destin, uh, Fort Walton area to uh, Tampa. And we were going to go to Bush Gardens the next day, planned that we were going uh, to sleep out and camp on the beach. Uh, long story short, we, uh, we don't get to the beach. We end up at beside a KOA, sleeping in the back of my car. And uh, the next morning we get up and we go to McDonald's. And I don't know if you've been to a McDonald's in Florida in the morning, Terry and I worked at one a little bit in Destin. Uh, people line up. The line would be out the door and down the sidewalk at that McDonald's. This morning we get in line at McDonald's, which I've never, uh, before that I don't remember being in line at McDonald's, but I, we were in line at McDonald's and we got our toothbrushes and toothpaste because we were brushing our teeth in the McDonald's bathroom and we're walking out and we look really bad and really raggedy and there's a woman in line in front of us who has a WWJD bracelet on, which we all spotted and noticed but one of these guys, Brandon, was a pretty new believer in Jesus and didn't have a filter and was pretty loud. And I saw that look in his eye as soon as he saw it, and I saw it coming, and I just went ahead and covered my face. He said, ma'am, I just noticed you got that bracelet. Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. He said, well, it's not true. And he went, and while we were in line, man, he preached the whole, the, that dude, that talk, that dude given, he gave the whole thing to her, loud and proud in the middle of that McDonald's. And she was awkward as awkward could be, and she left out, and it was still awkward. Crazy thing is, she comes back in a few minutes later and says, hey, you guys don't have a place to sleep, do you? And we said, no. She said, well, my husband and I have a house that has a second floor, and we got enough rooms for all of you. Why don't y'all come crash with me tonight? All right. Sounds good to us. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was, there's this difference between these two ideas. And obviously, there was a huge time frame in, in, in recent history where we as the body of Christ were all like, yeah, 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 we're going to do this. And it's almost like, well, but what about the Holy Spirit? <laughs> because because the, goal, the goal isn't for us just to try to buy our own strength, be like him. There's this huge distance between where we are and what is expected and what we desire and what Jesus did and, and what God intends to be true, there's this huge distance. And we'll live continually defeated until we realize that God, the Holy Spirit, is the one that fills that, that gap. You know? That's what this is about. Supernatural. Not natural. Not something that a human can pull off. We're talking about supernatural, which, which makes me think about superheroes. You know, I mean, it, it, this has been the last decade where a lot of those old comic books, all those characters are coming back, you know, and all the movies are out about all these different superheroes. And before long, uh, if they haven't already, there'll be a, an origin story of each one of them, how, how the whole thing started, how this normal person 
now became a super? You know, what, what, what happened? Like the, the Spider-Man that made we go back to the origin when he got bit by the spider and why and how? And now he's got these superpowers and, and what he has to decide as he's trying to deal with these powers that were within him, whether he wants to live out those superpowers or whether he wants to live on his own, own strength and how his own strength is limited, but these, but these powers are so great. And it would be real easy with the story we're fixing to look at to look at this story, your origin story, my origin story, and to go, oh, well, that's just, that's, that's like Peter Parker. That's like, you know, that's, that's not real, is it? Well, you get to decide whether you take the card to the fancy restaurant and stick it in your pocket or whether we walk out of here today and go, you know what? I believe that's true. And we live in the power of it. So this is what happened. We're talking right at the beginning of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Jesus has, has died. He's come back from the dead. He's hanging out with his, with, his, with his crew before he goes to heaven. And he says to them, you're going to receive power. You're going to wait a little while, and then you're going to receive this power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the promise when he comes upon you is that you're going to be my witnesses, which that word in the original language is martus, where we get the word martyr. He's saying this, this Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is going to empower you to be these bold witnesses in this area and the surrounding areas. In fact, in, in, on the whole planet, to be these bold witnesses, that witness and, and talk about Jesus even unto death, that kind of boldness. Now realize who he's talking to. He, he's talking to, to a group, and Peter's kind of the ringleader. Now Peter's the dude that just a few days earlier, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no, I'm not. And then he goes out and does it right? We need the guy who, who wasn't a witness. And he says, hey, do you, you guys are going to be martyrs. You're going to be martyrs because you believe this so much when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So this group goes and, and they're hanging out together and, and several days pass by. And then this happens. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. A mighty rushing wind. Now, I don't know if it was circular wind or it was a, a tornado or a cyclone kind of wind. I mean, up here, a lot of times the wind will blow really hard near our house, but it's outside the house. Imagine strong winds inside the house, right? I mean, it's just crazy. This, this wind is shaking the house. And then divided tongues of fire. So, so fire comes down and it splits into all these different smaller fires and these fires rest on each one of them. That's what happened. Again, now, you believe it or do you not believe it? This, this is what the Bible says happened. This is, this is what happened to these believers. Jesus promised it, and then it happens. And then immediately following that, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Which means then they were speaking in these other languages and they walked outside. And in the city at that time, there were people from all over the world. And this crazy thing happens. They hear these people who are not from their place speaking in their mother tongue. And they say, what? What? And so it goes on to say, which I think this is, uh, this is really funny. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 12. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? This is crazy. This is supernatural. What happened? But others said, man, they're just drunk. There's nothing special or supernatural here. These folks are just drunk. And then Peter, we need Peter, now filled with the, with the Holy Spirit, now uh, empowered to be a martyr and to live at a different supernatural level, 
He steps up and he goes, y'all crazy, it's nine in the morning. We're not drunk. And then he starts talking and he starts explaining who Jesus was and what he did and what it means for them. And then it says, uh, verse 37, and now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. His message had power because now the Holy Spirit was empowering it and reaching into the lives of the people and convicting of sin and drawing them to himself. And when Peter proclaims, then the people's hearts are cut. This morning, I don't know, I've prayed a lot. That if I'm going to talk this morning about the Holy Spirit and the power that, that, that is present and, and is possible, that it, it should be present and possible in the message this morning. So that means I believe that there's some folks out here this morning that your heart is cut. Because the Holy Spirit is still the same. He didn't change from this, this event to this event. And if your heart is cut this morning and you're saying, what shall I do? Peter says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Step one. And then what will happen? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when a person turns from their sin and they trust in Christ and they believe in Him by faith, then the Holy Spirit comes into that person's life. It says, this, uh, for this promise is for you and for your children and for all who make this decision, who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to Himself. And in, the, in your origin story, my origin story, 3,000 people that day make this decision, and 3,000 people receive the Holy Spirit. And then the book of Acts is the story of this group. And I can sum it up really easy, but I would encourage you to read it because it's, it's just a fun story. I mean, man, and it tells you what happened with this group of people. But you know what happened to them? I can sum it up. Exactly what Jesus said would happen. They were empowered to be bold witnesses. They stopped before they made decisions and listened, and the Spirit led them. So they talked several times about, hey, we were going to do this. But you know what? We changed direction because, the Spirit, because God, the Holy Spirit, led us to go do this thing. They had this supernatural love for one another that everybody looking on was like, hey, that's not normal. Those people love each other more than themselves. That's weird. That's supernatural. You know? They had this peace. They would be in jail and crazy things like that, bad, hard situations, and they had this joy and this peace that was unexplainable because it was supernatural. God, the Holy Spirit, who had raised Jesus from the dead, the power over death now resided in this group of people, and they turned the world upside down. In fact, it even says that at one point. They were going to this one place, and they looked at it, and they said, man, those are the people who have turned the world upside down, and now they're coming here too. It happened. And that's what's possible. So if we forget the Holy Spirit or relegate him to the sidelines, then we're just leaving, living a life and we are uh, talking about Jesus, and, but, but there's no power. So the secret is, how do we make sure that that's real? How do we make sure that it happens in our life? And um, in Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to give you three different places where, where Paul writes uh, a letter to, to one of the churches and he explains what this looks like to live, to walk in. He says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here in, in uh, Ephesians, he says, Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Here he, he uses that uh, illustration again. Uh, you know, a person who gets drunk with wine, they're, they're under the influence of this other thing. They've, they've given up their uh, control and they've, they've given control over to this new substance. And now he says, I mean, a lot of times when, that, when you give that control up and you give it here, then the things that happen aren't good things, you know? 
Uh, my first experience with wine, I was a guy like in high school, my, I mean, my parents made clear uh, where their stance was, and, and I made a decision that I was going to keep my distance from, from alcohol. Uh, I grew up in a small town, so that's what most people did on the weekends, you know, that's just what they did, so it was, it was tough, you know. But because of that, I, I didn't have any real reference point and didn't, I was just ignorant to, uh, to how the whole thing worked, and I thought that, that wine was like uh, grape juice, you know, but they had to sell it at the liquor store, but it didn't really have much, much of anything in it. So, um, so <laughs> the first time that I was around some wine and uh, finished off the bottle, I realized that it did, <laughs> and that this thing had happened. I had given over my control to something else, and now I was in trouble because I wasn't in control anymore. Uh, it, 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 was, it was bad. Well, Paul uses that same illustration to say, hey, we have to suppress our control and allow and ask for God, the Holy Spirit, to come in, and he uses this word, to fill us up. So we can make the decision, and, and Charlie was talking about this last week, to, to suppress him and to, to let our natural man, our natural woman be in control. We can do that. And, you know, like I said, you can get so far that way. But what he says that we should do is we should suppress our natural tendencies and we should uh, be under the influence of God, the Holy Spirit. And look what he says will happen. He says, that, you know, be, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always uh, and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I don't know what to do with, man, we're talking to one another and we're singing songs and, and you know, we're treating them. I mean, it sounds really, it sounds happy. A little bit, maybe a little bit too happy. I don't know. Uh it sounds good. That sounds like a really incredible community submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, walking around so much joy in our heart that we're singing songs. You ever been on, had a day like that where you're just, there's just joy in your heart and you can't help but stop singing? I had that happen one day when a, a buddy of mine, he had a, had a baby and we were, I was trying to make it over to the hospital to go see this newborn and the day was going good and, and I was just singing in my car and I got pulled over because I was speeding, but I was so happy I didn't care and and he walked up to, he was going to just give me a warning, but he ended up giving me a ticket because I didn't have my seatbelt buckled, which was even more of a point, like normally when I, when I got pulled over, then I would put my seatbelt on. But that day, I, uh, I didn't, you know, because I was just still singing and I had the ticket in my hand driving off going, I don't even care, man. There's joy in my heart, you know. It says that this is what's possible when, you feel, when you're filled up with the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on in Galatians and he says, walk by the Spirit. And there's this battle between the two, your natural man and your spiritual man and, and God the Spirit within you. And you need to, to suppress this and yield to and let this Holy Spirit take over. And he says, when that happens, this is the fruit that's going to come out. This is what you're going to be full of. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I doubt there's anybody in this room that wouldn't sign up for that. Man, give me some more love. Real deal love, not fake. Hey, man, give me, I would love some more peace because I live an anxious, stressful life. Man, fill me up with some peace. What about joy? Not the happiness that's fleeting with the moment, but that kind of consistent, deep joy. Who don't want that? 
That's the promise of the Spirit. If we'll walk in Him, if we'll yield the, to the natural man and let God, the Holy Spirit, be His full in our life, this is the kind of life that's possible. In Romans, he says, For those who uh, live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For, so, uh, for to set the mind uh, on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But look at this. You, however, this morning, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, eternal, all-powerful God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. Not with you, not beside you, not out there, not back here in the Bible. No, He lives in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. If He's not in you, that means you've never made a genuine decision to turn from your sin and to trust in Jesus. Because if you believe in Jesus and have faith in Him, He says that God, the Holy Spirit, is in you. So if Christ is, again, it says it four different times. If He is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells where? In you. You know, I, but I've told you guys before, I mean, this, this church, there's so many things about being a part of this community that, that I love and I love my family being a part of. And I, even recently, man, I've been in some conversations where I'm like, man, I can't imagine being anywhere else and a part of any other group of people because there's so many incredible things, primarily just the authenticity that I, that I love uh, in this room. But there's one thing that's come up over the years, and it's come up both about Grove Church in particular, but then just about Fayetteville and the community. And I've noticed from several different places and several different people, it's been described this way. There's just kind of this, this feeling of everybody's kind of just... Meh. Kind of look like this emoji. Meh. You know? All right. Does this describe you today? If it does, then I would challenge you have forgotten or never known God the Holy Spirit. Because He is about choking out the meh. Read, read the book of Acts. I don't see a lot of meh. I see a lot of fire, a lot of passion, a lot of love that's crazy, a lot of peace that, that, that surpasses understanding, a lot of uh, listening and yielding and, and, and listening and following and not driving the wheel. I just see a whole lot of incredible... I see the world getting turned upside down and people making decisions to follow him and, and laying down their lives and being martyrs. I mean, it's crazy. I don't see a lot of man. So I challenge us today. I think that's what God wants to do in us. I think that's the reason he has us in this series. I think that's the reason he has us talking about it. And I challenge you to to think about the Holy Spirit and ask the question. Have you stopped at the goal of, I'm just going to eke through life and go to heaven? 
Have you opened up to the possibility that God wants to actually live a Jesus kind of world-changing, powerful, supernatural life in and through you? It's possible. Let me pray that it would be true. Father, I, uh, I just recognize that, uh, that you have done an incredible thing when you, when you sent your son and you, uh, when he took death and our sin upon himself, when he granted us his righteousness and you gave us this promise of a restored relationship with you forever. That's, that's incredible and I give you thanks. And I apologize that that for a lot of us, for me, a lot of the time, I've adopted that and I've embraced that and then I've just kind of stopped. When you have so much more in mind, so much more that you want to do in me, uh, so much more joy in life that you want to to grant me, this promise that you've made, that so much more of an impact that you want me and us to have. So Father, I... I ask that today, that throughout this series, that there really would be a turning point and that you would, you would choke out the man, that he, w- he would have no place here, that this would be a place of vibrant passion of a people who are yielded and filled with you, God, the Holy Spirit. Amen.